Many have debated as to what is the worst physical pain a person can experience. And today we are no closer to really crowning a champion. I guess because we all respond to pain differently. From broken bones, slipped discs, hernias, toothaches, unless we forget being kicked in the balls, pain is something that all humans go through at some point. Having looked into some of the more common pains that we happen upon in everyday life, besides stepping barefoot on Lego, childbirth appears to be one of the most harrowing, and is only made bearable by the promise of a child at the end of it. It would make sense why the bond between mother and child is considered to be so strong, or in some cases, sacred, or why mothers stereotypically dote on their children, having experienced such an ordeal in order to bring them into the world in the first place. It's also kind of remarkable that a mother essentially grows a person inside of her, which is also a bit weird if you really think about it, but nonetheless unites us as a species in that we all arrive into this world in virtually the same way. Childbirth in that sense has been considered a sacred affair in many cultures and communities, and with the production of babies, it of course extends our species legacy into the future. So of course, the ancient Greeks would make a goddess out of it. How could they not? For without it, they would never have existed and would never have had children of their own. For something so vital to family, society, and the continuation of humanity itself, it of course had to have a corresponding deity, and that was indeed Rhea. Many will know from previous episodes that Rhea was often described as the mother of the Olympians, or simply the mother of the gods, those whom she bore to her younger brother, the mad titan and head of the pantheon himself, Cronus. The common mythology tells us that in a time known as the Golden Age, the gods and the mortals lived side by side in harmony, but at some point, Cronus, who had already deposed his father Uranus to become king of the gods, began to become paranoid as to the certainty of his rule. Whether through his own loss of sanity, or because Uranus had come back to haunt Cronus, and whisper words of conspiracy in his ear, Cronus became convinced that his children would overthrow him and steal away his throne in the same way he had done to Uranus. So to prevent his child from ever being born, he began to consume them the moment his sister wife Rhea could give birth to them, swallowing them whole right before her eyes. Rhea who was distraught that her children were being taken away from her the moment they were born, much more by her own husband, would turn to her mother Gaia and her father Uranus for aid. With the goddess of the earth and the supreme god of the sky, Rhea devised a plan to save her final child, the boy who would become Zeus. It is Hesiod who tells us a vivid account of these events in the Theogony, where he tells us, but Rhea was subject in love to Cronus and bare splendid children, Hestia, Demeter, and Goldshod Hera, and strong Hades, and the loud crashing earthshaker Poseidon, and wise Zeus. These great, 
Cronus swallowed, as each came forth from the womb to his mother's knees, with this intent, that no other proud sons of Uranus should hold the kingly office amongst the deathless gods. Therefore he kept no blind outlook, but watched and swallowed down his children, and unceasing grief seized Rhea. But when she was about to bear Zeus, the father of gods and men, then she besought her own dear parents, Gaia and starry Uranus, to devise some plan with her that the birth of her dear child might be concealed and that retribution might overtake great crafty Cronus, for his own father and also the children whom he had swallowed down. After giving birth to Zeus in a cavern on the island of Crete, she would hide the infant god in a cave on Mount Ida, where her attendants, the warrior-like Curetes and Dactyls, took on the role of bodyguards for the baby and concealed his location from his father. In the meantime, Cronus was none the wiser that the boy still lived, for Rhea, instead of handing him Zeus, had given her husband a large stone wrapped in towels. Sensing nothing amiss, Cronus swallowed the stone whole and went about his business, fretting over his now fragile rule and descending further into madness. Hesiod famously continues of this event in the Theogony where he tells us, And Gaia and Uranus readily heard and obeyed their dear daughter, and told her all that was destined to happen, touching Cronus the king and his stout-hearted son. So they sent her to Lyetus, to the rich land of Crete, when she was ready to bear great Zeus, the youngest of her children. Him did vast Gaia receive from Rhea in wide Crete to nourish and to bring up. Thither came Gaia carrying him swiftly through the black night to Lyctus first, and took him in her arms and hid him in a remote cave beneath the secret places of the holy earth, on thick-wooded Mount Aegon. But to Cronus, the mightily ruling son of Uranus, the earlier king of the gods, she gave a great stone wrapped in swaddling clothes. Then he took it in his hands and thrust it down into his belly. In this description, we see that Rhea is not just celebrated as the mother of the gods, she who produced the more prominent deities of the pantheon, but also as being both wily and brave. She is able to deceive Cronus, the supreme deity at the time, and though he is considerably deranged by this point, given the paranoia that ate him from the inside out, being able to outwit Cronus was nothing to scoff at. This was, after all, the same god who had dethroned Uranus, and he was certainly not a god that anyone would want to risk tangling with, and that was back when he was more stable. Now that he had sunk into this monstrous and zealous god that was swallowing his own children, it could be argued that Rhea was one of the more brave titans, for having risked deceiving him in the first place. Some might also say that this is a nod to motherhood in general, in that mothers would do almost anything for their children, and are required to muster up tremendous amounts of courage in an effort to put their children first. In fact, one might derive a metaphor from the story between Rhea and Cronus, 
in that it takes a significant amount of will and nerve for a woman to get through labour, much as it had done for Rhea to get Zeus past Cronus. Much as the mother risks her well-being, comfort and even her life to give birth, Rhea also risked everything in an effort to give birth, who likely would have lost the baby and been killed for her trickery had she been discovered. Another colourful account of this event is told to us by Pseudo-Apollodorus in the Bibliotheca, where we are told of a more in-depth telling of the nursing of baby Zeus. We are told, because both Gaia and Uranus had given him prophetic warning that his rule would be overthrown by a son of his own, he took to swallowing his children at birth. He swallowed his firstborn daughter Hestia, then Demeter and Hera, and after them Hades and Poseidon. Angered by this, Rhea, when she was heavy with Zeus, went off to Crete and gave birth to him there in a cave on Mount Dicta. She put him in the care of both the Curetes and the Nymphs, Adrastia and Eda, daughters of Melissius. These nymphs nursed the baby with the milk of Amalthea, while the armed Curetes stood guard over him in the cave, banging their spears against their shields to prevent Cronus from hearing the infant's voice. Rhea, meanwhile, gave Cronus a stone wrapped in the swaddling clothes to swallow in place of his newborn son. By understanding the conditions that Zeus was raised in, we can also gather that Rhea, despite saving her son's life, was really denied of being a part of his upbringing, something that would have been difficult for her to endure. Pseudo-Apollodorus, unlike Hesiod, makes note of Rhea's anger, and it would make sense that Rhea would grow to resent Cronus for preventing her from ever being able to hold Zeus or any of her other children in her arms. In some essence, it might be said that the crucial bond between Rhea and her children that arguably can only be formed at that youthful age was lost to her, for when Zeus reconciled with his mother and freed his brothers and sisters from Cronus's stomach, they were all already fully grown. There is a sense of tragedy in the tale that isn't necessarily focused on, and that is despite saving the life of her son, and in doing so, saving the lives of her other children, Rhea never really got to experience being a mother, which is evident in her lack of presence in the later tales. Of Zeus's birth, Greek philosopher Strabo also details the lengths that Rhea went to save Zeus's life, in that she employed her ministers, the Curetes, to both guard Zeus and muffle his cries by banging their shields with their spears. He adds that these young men also sang, danced, played instruments, and stamped about in their armour so that Cronus would not hear Zeus and come looking for him. Furthermore, it is suggested by Strabo that Cronus was intimidated by these young men, which made them great allies for Rhea, and that all their chanting and uproar struck fear into Cronus, thus distracting him long enough for Rhea to steal Zeus away and discouraging Cronus thereafter from ever coming to Crete. Strabo tells us in his geography, the ministers of Rhea, they are called Curetes 
of Crete. Young men who executed movements in armour, accompanied by dancing, as they set forth the mythical story of the birth of Zeus. In this, they introduced Cronus as a custom to swallow his children immediately after their birth, and Rhea as trying to keep her travail secret, and when the child was born, to get it out of the way and save its life by every means in her power. And to accomplish this, it is said that she took as helpers the Curetes, who, by surrounding the goddess with tambourines and similar noisy instruments, and with war dance and uproar, were supposed to strike terror into Cronus, and without his knowledge, to steal his child away. And that, according to tradition, Zeus was actually reared by them with the same diligence. But the Quiretes were not the only allies that Rhea sought to guard against Zeus. Evidently, Rhea did not underestimate the power and reach of Cronus, and understood that if he did get a whiff of Zeus, almost nothing would stop his vengeance and his efforts to get his hands on the child. So going above and beyond, Rhea was said by Greek geographer Pausanias in his description of Greece to enlist the Gigantes, or the Giants, those who were syncretized with the Curetes by Strabo. With this idea, we see the resourcefulness of Rhea, who continued to safeguard Zeus even after he'd been ferried away from Cronus. Yet again, she shows traits of the ideal mother, in that she takes no chances with Zeus's well-being and seeks to protect him in every conceivable way. Strabo tells us of this account, Mount Thormasius lies beyond the river Maloetus in Arcadia, and the Methydrians hold that when Rhea was pregnant with Zeus, she came to this mountain and enlisted as her allies, in case Cronus should attack her, Hoplodamos and his few gigantes, i.e. the earth-born Curetes. They allow that she gave birth to her son on some part of Mount Lycaeus, but they claim that here Cronus was deceived, and here took place the substitution of a stone for the child, that is spoken of in the Greek legend. On the summit of the mountain is Rhea's cave, in which no human beings may enter save only the women who are sacred to the goddess. By some, Rhea even installed a golden dog to guard a goat, which offered the infant Zeus nourishment. In another account, this one by the Arcadians, Rhea's determination to save her children did not begin with Zeus. Supposedly, she had employed a similar tactic against Cronus in an effort to save Poseidon, by keeping him amongst a flock of lambs and animals. When Cronus inquired as to where the child was, so that he might swallow him whole, Rhea convinced him that she had actually given birth to a horse, hence why he was with the animals. Possibly not believing her, Cronus demanded to see the child, and so Rhea supplied him with a foal. Not taking any chances, Cronus swallowed the foal anyway, but was successfully kept away from Poseidon. What's interesting about this account is that Rhea is able to trick her husband twice, yet again showing us how much Rhea was willing to risk for her children, that she would lie 
to the Supreme God himself. It is Pausanias who tells us in his description of Greece, the following story is told by the Akkadians. When Rhea gave birth to Poseidon, she laid him in a flock for him to live there with the lambs. And the spring too received its name just because the lambs pastured around it. Rhea, it is said, declared to Cronus that she had given birth to a horse and gave him a foal to swallow instead of the child. Just as later, she gave him in place of Zeus, a stone wrapped in swaddling clothes. To the ancient Greeks, the name Rhea was believed to have meant flow, and given her association with fertility and childbirth, some have believed that the flow aspect was in relation to the flow of birth waters, milk, or menstrual blood. It was also believed that her name meant ease, or to ease, symbolizing the comforting part of nature and all the comfort a mother might bring to her child. It could also mean that Rhea could be called upon to ease the pangs of childbirth, something she was thought to do for Leto when she gives birth to Artemis and Apollo. By some, Rhea might represent the flow of time and generations, given her association to Cronus, he who ushered in the new generation by castrating his father. As far as the more accepted mythology goes, Rhea was the daughter of Uranus and Gaia, as we've already established. But to some, such as the philosopher Plato, Cronus and Rhea were the offspring of Oceanus and Tethys, an idea which positions the ocean deities as the primordials, or a generation who existed in between Cronus and Rhea and Uranus and Gaia. Despite being the mother of the Olympians and an important deity, when considering the prominence that Zeus would go on to behold, Rhea only appears in Greek art from around the 4th century before the Common Era, where she bears resemblance to the goddess Cybele, the Phrygian mother goddess worshipped in Anatolia. It's likely that after having become aware of Cybele, the Greeks conflated the idea and image of the goddess with that of their own Rhea. Both characters appear to sport the same accessories and maintain the same features, including a mural crown, a throne, or being flanked by lions. Many depictions of Rhea see her amongst lions for this very reason, but the Greek-Roman poet Oppian provides another explanation for Rhea's company of lions. He tells us from his Synergetica, and when Cronus the son of Uranus beheld the lusty young child, he transformed the first glorious guardians of Zeus, and in a vengeance made the Curetes wild beasts. By the devising of the god Cronus, they exchanged their human shape and put upon them the form of lions. So as can be seen from this passage, the company of lions is not necessarily stolen from Phrygian culture, nor is it a random addition, but instead a testament to the loyalty of the Curetes, for despite having been made lions by a vengeful Cronus, they still remain in the presence of Rhea, seemingly as protectors. Whilst Rhea had an integral role in the survival of the infant Zeus, and in doing so, facilitated his growth 
and ascension to the head of the pantheon, she does not have much of a significant role beyond this. Indeed, we do see her mentioned in some texts, albeit in a trivial fashion. One of the tales that stand out, however, tells us how Rhea once caught Cronus with his mistress Philera, and that Cronus, so determined to avoid being apprehended by his wife, transformed into a horse and galloped away. Ancient Greek author Apollinius Rhodius tells us in his second Argonautica, the Isle of Philera, at the eastern end of the southern Black Sea coast. This was where Cronus, son of Uranus, deceiving his consort Rhea, lay with Philera, daughter of Oceanus, in the days when he ruled the Titans in Olympus, and Zeus was still a child, tended in the Cretan cave by the Curetes of Ida. But Cronus and Philera were surprised in the very act by Rhea, whereupon Cronus leapt out of bed and galloped off in the form of a long man stallion. The most interesting and somewhat amusing part of this tale is how adamant Cronus is to hide his affair from his wife. Despite being the supreme god at the time, Cronus comes to demonstrate the same comedic antics that Zeus does when trying to disguise his affairs from his wife Hera. And furthermore, there's also an element of revealment and maybe even caution that Cronus possesses in regards to Rhea, for his efforts to hide his affair shows us that he did care what Rhea thought of him, and thus make him seem much less monstrous and a little more human. Despite swallowing her children, and by this point appearing mad, he still goes to some lengths to either spare Rhea from the truth, or possibly to avoid a confrontation with her, one that he may have actually been fearful of. His witless transformation into a horse certainly suggests some cowardice, and one might say that he was fleeing from the scene so as to not only maintain his veneer of innocence, at least as far as his marital vows went, but to also convince Rhea not to leave him. We know that Cronus feared loss above all else, the loss of his status, his power, and his throne, so it stands to reason that he feared losing his love too, yet again promoting the potency of Rhea's character, that a supreme god feared to lose her. In another version of the origins of the gods, Hellenistic Greek poet Lycophron speaks of a tale where Ophion and his wife Euronymy once ruled the heavens, but that they were both deposed by Cronus and Rhea. In fact, in this story, we not only get another spin of accounts, in that there does not appear to be a castration of Uranus that leads to Cronus's ascension, but also another side to Rhea, a more confrontational, ambitious, and feisty side. We are told by Lycophron in his poem Alexandra, Zeus, who is Lord of Ephions, an early king of heaven deposed by Cronus's throne, but Zeus shall bring thee to the plain of his nativity, Arcadia and Elis, that land celebrated above others by the Greeks, where his mother Rhea, skilled in wrestling, having cast into Tartarus the former queen Euronymy, wife of Ophion. 
In this account, we see that not only does Cronus get his hands dirty, but Rhea also involves herself by wrestling Euronymy and defeating her. The motives for why Cronus and Rhea seek to usurp their rulers is not adequately detailed, but given Rhea's character, it's possible that such a usurpation was committed for noble reasons, and that Rhea had to resort to violence in order to ensure the greater good. We've seen that it is not above Rhea to make difficult choices, and she is clearly more than willing to face danger and take risks if it means the outcome will benefit those around her, most notably her children. Beyond this, we see Rhea appear in various stories, a more notable one being her presence upon the island of Delos, where many other goddesses gathered around Leto to witness the birth of Apollo. As a goddess of childbirth, or perhaps the easing of childbirth, as the meaning of her name might suggest, it could be said that Rhea aided Leto during her labour and helped soothe her during contractions. In another myth, we see Rhea involved in the return of Demeter to Mount Olympus. When her daughter Persephone was abducted by Hades, Demeter went into a depression, which saw to the shriveling up of Earth's agriculture. When reunited with her daughter, Demeter's joy was only short-lived, for it would be agreed that Persephone was to be bound to the underworld. Due to this, Demeter refused to return to Olympus. However, it was Rhea who consoled Demeter, and came to convince her to return to Olympus where she could be amongst her brothers and sisters. On the topic of Persephone, some Orphic myths deem that Demeter is not her mother, but that this is actually Rhea. Supposedly, Zeus, with his endless appetite for women, wanted to marry his mother, but after Rhea refused him, Zeus took away her powers and had his way with her anyway. As far as worship went, Rhea does not appear to have had a prominent cult. It would appear from the mythological tales that she was originally worshipped on the island of Crete, as told to us by Strabo, who noted that only women who were sacred to the goddess could enter the cavern upon Mount Ida, where Zeus was taken. Much like the Curetes, her worshippers were believed to perform chants and dances, often accompanied by instruments, so as to mimic the distractions employed by the Curetes in their efforts to muffle the cries of the infant Zeus. From what we've gathered, Rhea's main priority throughout the mythology seems to be the well-being of her children. Despite her supposed conflict with Euronymy, Rhea is seen to be one of the more peaceful goddesses, and a goddess who opts for compassion and diplomacy above all else. We can see this in the way she convinces Demeter to return to Olympus, and we can see this in how she eases the pain that Leto experiences during the birth of Apollo on Delos. Any other instances of her presence appear to be minimal, and it seems that the ancient Greeks remembered Rhea best for her contribution of Zeus and the other Olympians. Despite once being the goddess of Olympus, Rhea doesn't appear to harbour any bad blood towards her offspring, who technically dethroned her when defeating the Titans in the Titanomachy. 
This is likely because Rhea's love for her children far outweighed the love she had for power and ruling, and that perhaps she was in full support of her children overthrowing the Titans after seeing what Cronus had become. It also can be seen as a metaphor for a mother's love yet again, in that often, the love a parent can experience for a child can be unconditional, and that whatever fault the child commits, in this case, the Olympians taking Olympus for themselves, it will ultimately be overlooked and forgiven. Given that Rhea is seen moving about freely after the events of the Titanomachy, when most of the Titans had been cast down into Tartarus, it is believed that she was spared. Probably because she was, by this point, inclined to war against Cronus for denying her of motherhood. It might also be said that Zeus recognised his mother, and was grateful for her sacrifices, and thus, allowed her to live amongst them in Olympus.